Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Roddy DeBulsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and, of course, Jim Donna, the Hall of Famer himself, the reason you're watching. And as Brad Newsom points out, it is 11 days till kickoff. Georgia has just completed its second scrimmage. They're back at it. Uh, they're shifting gears out of the camp mode into game prep, football season prep. Start putting in game plans. They've named a quarterback. Uh, they've had a few injuries, and we're going to discuss all of that on today's show with Coach Donna. Uh, if you would do us a great favor, please hit the subscribe button there. We're trying to get to 40,000 subscribers. We've grown almost 1,000 subscribers in the last month, and we're, we really want to get that 40,000 subscriber number. So if you watch the show all the time, just hit it. It doesn't cost you anything. We greatly appreciate it. And if you hit the little bell uh, symbol, it will notify you when we go live. Because sometimes when big news breaks, we go live straight to YouTube to talk about it. Uh, we did a little post-game uh, or post-scrimmage reaction. That got a lot of views. Uh, mainly talking about what we heard coming out of the scrimmage. But I think, Coach, I'm going to go straight to you. The question or the the topic that I had everybody uh, talking on this past Saturday was the fact that uh, Kirby Smart named his quarterback. Tell us what happened. Well, I don't know exactly why. Yeah, I can't tell you what happened, but I know that uh, Kirby – we talked about it last week that it was very important that uh, there was a real paradox of – naming the guy or putting the pressure on him throughout the camp. And I think they did both by waiting until last week to name somebody. He said that uh, felt like Carson deserved the, the job and he's had a good spring and fall camp for everything I've heard. And uh, he certainly got the most experience and gives the, uh, as, as the most practice reps and it uh, looks like uh He's ready to roll, and uh, congratulations to Carson for uh, winning the job. So, so Carson Beck is going to be your starter. I don't think that comes as a big surprise to anybody. Uh, any insight to how close the other two are? Because I noticed he said that, hey, uh, they, they've all done great things. They've all had their moments. Uh, how do you – I mean, did Carson win it going away? I mean, I know you're trying to read Kirby's mind, but – just in your estimate, uh, estimation, how close are these quarterback races? How, how, do you, how do you sit these guys down and tell them, hey, this guy won it, but, you know, don't lose heart? How do you address that? Yeah, I feel like the fact that they uh, waited this long, uh, it was pretty uh, evident that these other guys were definitely in the chase because they, uh, you know, he started out the spring ahead and he finished the spring ahead and he did the same thing throughout the fall. But the other guys, really give you uh, a good skill set to uh, amplify the quarterback position. So I think the, the major issue to me is to hear Kirby talk is, you know, avoid avoid the bad play and uh, get your team in the right uh, situation as far as huddle call and all that. So, uh, but as I mentioned in the get-go, Carson's had an inordinate amount of reps here uh, as a backup quarterback, as actually the starting quarterback, one week uh, when uh, for the UAB game until Thursday. So uh, uh, it's a, it's the issue that everybody in the country talks about that doesn't know anything about Georgia and knows about Georgia because you lost a guy that was a 
two-time national champion quarterback. So it's just something that everybody's going to bring out that uh, I heard Reese Davis say the reason he didn't name us number one preseason because the quarterback situation's up in the air compared to Michigan, you know. So that's just everybody's opinion that, uh, you know, we've got to replace the quarterback, which we do, but it's not like we don't have people that can, that are very good at replacing them. Uh, we got some other good quarterbacks too. Uh, Jackson Muschamp. I mean, there's some good players here. Uh, so we will be okay at quarterback and uh, got some good ones coming in with our recruits too. All right, Dane, give me your thoughts. You've received a little bit of grief because you and I back in the day, many, many years ago, we're not sold on Carson Beck, and uh, I think it's fair to say he's progressed a long way since then. So apparently, you're not allowed to ever change your mind once you said the uh, once you give an opinion, you have to stick with it forever, re- uh, regardless of any uh, changing circumstances that go from there. So give me your thoughts on Carson Beck uh, being banned. Yeah, I think the exact term that was used was biased love for Stetson, which, I mean. It- I don't think there's a way to disparage what Stetson Bennett meant to Georgia. If Georgia gets that kind of quarterback production this year, Georgia will win its third straight national championship. I'm very confident in saying that. I don't know if they can repeat that kind of production. It may even look a little bit different. We'll all find out. To answer your original question, from the people that I talked to, this quarterback race was a little bit closer than I think it probably appears at this point. And when Kirby Smart says – they can win football games with any of those three quarterbacks. I believe him on that. I, I think Brock Vandergriff can be plugged into what's going on and go win big-time football games. I think Gunnar Stockton could do good things there, too. That also tells me that if there's a bad day for a quarterback, Georgia's in position to be able to do something about it. And, I mean, we've seen with Alabama in previous years, that is a luxury to have multiple guys that you can win games with because when you don't have that, the whole team can fall apart. Yeah, that, that brings up a great question. Uh, Coach, how often did you pull a quarterback? It just seems like if if the right guard misses a couple blocks, his butt gets yanked. The cornerbacks get beat a couple times, he gets yanked. Every seems like every spot on the field, you rotate somebody out. But if the quarterback's struggling, people stick with him. And I, I mean, I get why you do that, but at the same time, it's like, are they being protected? Give me, I don't understand as a, as a viewer, so as a coach, explain to us what goes into pulling a quarterback. Not to say that this would happen with Carson Beck. I'm not even referring to that. I just want to know because we have a former head coach here who's had to make these decisions, and you've always, you know, you've been proven right, and when it didn't go your way, everyone blames you. So what goes into it, Coach? Well, it's a real fine line for quarterbacks because there's so many people uh, looking for the quarterback uh, on your team to uh, make the right decisions. And when you do make that call to pull them out, then uh, the tendency is to lose a little confidence among your regular players. If the coach isn't really fired up about him, then how can we be? But I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the way you approach the game that week. If, if things are in doubt in practice and the guy hasn't looked that good in practice, you talk to your team about, look, uh, you know, we haven't practiced as well as we need to. Uh, Roddy hasn't thrown the ball as good. You know, we might make a change here. I mean, you, you, you just can't make rash decisions based on uh, – and sometimes you make impulsive deals and say, look, we got to make a change, and this guy's not doing it. I've told quarterbacks during games, I said, look, I'm, I'm trying to hang with you, but, you know, one more uh, 
play like that and I'm going to make a move and I don't want you to be nervous about it. I'm just telling the reality is I've been sticking with you. And uh, I, I think you got to have that kind of relationship. You just talk to your quarterback all the time. You meet with them individually, you meet with them as a group, and you talk about their strengths and weaknesses and about how they do in the game situations and what they're going to be looked at to, to help you win the game. And uh, sometimes it's not the quarterback's fault. I mean, it's a tip pass. It's a missed block. It's uh, whatever it might be. So you, you're not going to pull him over that. But uh, there comes a point when he's throwing the ball to the other team and not yours, then you, you're jeopardizing everybody out there. So, uh, But the biggest thing to me is just the communication you have with your team going into the game. This is what it's going to take for us to win this game. Our defense is going to have to play better than ever because this team's going to score a lot of points, and our offense is going to have to make that happen too. Every opportunity we, or as compared to, look, this team can't score if our defense leaves the field. So you do not give them anything, and we got this game and good chance to win it. So you talk to both groups about that, but. Uh, Making a quarterback change is the last thing you want to do, particularly if he's a veteran guy. I mean, it, you just, it's very difficult to do that. But Kirby has shown a, a great propensity for knowing how to handle that, uh, even though he caught a lot of grief about the from field situation. But, you know, that was the way he was basing it. So, uh, but, you know, he made a move early on with Grayson Lambert and put Eason in there. Uh, you know, made yeah. a move with JT Daniels a couple years ago, then put Stetson in there. So uh, the coach has a feel for the team. A lot yeah, of times that decision is taken out of your hands, though, because I know Georgia has an easy schedule, but it's still a physical schedule. And you don't have to look further than Tennessee last year to see Hendon Hooker at the end of the season not be able to finish it out because of injury. And, yeah. like, I, whoever wins the job, that's fantastic. But you might end up needing all three of these guys. I mean, a 15-game season, if Georgia does that, it, that's a long – that's a lot of football games and a lot of hits that quarterbacks can take. Maybe not as many well, as yeah. others because of Georgia's offensive line, but it's still physical. We'll go back to uh, Eason. First game of the season, eight plays in, all of a sudden, you know, you throw uh, Fromm in there untested. Untried. He, I, he'd won the job. And then when uh, Eason was healthy, they, you know, it was problems from there going forward. And of course, you know, the coaches are always going to get grief, but uh, thanks for explaining that because I always want to know what goes into it. And again, I had my butt pulled many a game, you know, and I look over at like Al Sadler, our quarterback. I'm like, man, they never pull Al. Of course, he probably never had a bad game. So that's, that's probably why. I coached a couple other things we heard from through the grapevine that came out of the scrimmage was that uh, this. I won't say that. I'll call him the starting left tackler on the screen. I know that he's in a battle with Austin Blasky for that spot, but I think he was the first one out there. So we'll just say the first guy to get snaps with the offensive uh, line uh, at the left tackle spot. Ernest Green got kind of banged up. Kirby said that he had to come out, but he went back in them, came out for precautionary uh, issues. Uh, then we also apparently it happened earlier in the week, but we found out that Jackson Meeks was uh, injured as well. We've talked every time we talk about a scrimmage, we talk about injuries and how you want to go hard and you want your guys to ball out, but at the same time, you don't want to get anybody injured. Uh, how, how concerned are you about uh, maybe your, I don't say zero experience, but your very inexperienced left tackle maybe being a little gimpy 11 days out from kickoff? Yeah, I mean, that would bother me, that's for sure. I mean, uh, you guys 
do a better job of knowing about these injuries than I do. I'm the worst in the world to keep up with that stuff. But uh, I think it's good that we've had Blasky ready. I mean, he's a veteran guy that, and we also have trusts who can play there and starting at left tackle. We can move uh, Morris in there at left guard or whoever we needed to. So we got some guys that are pretty flexible. You can also move uh, Mims over to left tackle and, uh, you know, play somebody at right tackle. So, uh, but I think the fact that both these guys have been competing so hard against each other all spring and fall makes it a little easier, but it always worries you when you got a lower extremity injury because you have to move your feet in every position, but particularly offensive line tackle, you know, but uh, I hope based on what, you know, Kirby is not going to say much about it, but uh, it's, and I don't blame him. I think people get pissed off because the coach doesn't tell you everything about the injuries, but it's not, not fair to the, to tell the other team what hey, we got a guy left tackle hadn't played because their left tackles out. So we're going to, you're going to work all your blitzes on the left tackle. But, uh, but I think realistically offensive line is a big, big strong suit of our team. The depth experience depth of our offensive line is not there, but there's talent there. Uh, very good talent. Uh, and so, uh, should be able to develop even more experience in these first games too with some of these other groups. And the tendency in games like this is not to substitute one or two guys at a time like you would against a a team that you're barely beating or something like that. You might put a whole unit in there occasionally, just, just let them get a feel for how things are going because, uh, They've all deserved that opportunity. And I like the fact that Kirby does that from a standpoint of the morale. Uh, you know, you've worked hard enough to – and you've looked good enough against our defense that I feel good about putting you in the game. So, we got plenty of guys that can play there. Yeah, I think uh, looking at the battle that those two guys have had left tackle with Blasky, because remember he missed part of the uh, camp. He got sick. Kirby mentioned that. And then – for uh, Ernest Ray to get banged up, whoever wins that spot, they will have had one hell of a camp to actually get there. But uh, give me your thoughts real quick on Jackson Meeks. I know people, when they start naming Georgia receivers, they're talking Dominic Lovett, you know, uh, Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers, of course, the tight end. It takes a while before they get to Jackson Meeks, but you were big on him last year. You mentioned some of the contributions that he made, and uh, I just hate it for him because guys really seem to be coming on. Yeah, he's been a real demon on special teams and uh, on every element of special teams. And he realized with the receivers we had, that was his best shot. So he puts a lot of effort. I mean, I mentioned on this podcast one day that I was over there going to the training room and he came running up to me and said, hey, coach, I'm, I'm number one on the, uh, on the punt team. And, you know, I mean, for a guy to be happy about that, to me, he shows you what yeah. kind of morale you got on the He's a very dedicated guy, and he's had a good spring and fall, from what I've heard, catching the ball, too. You know, he made uh, the first week several big catches in the scrimmage I read about. So, uh, but when you get a – there's a difference between some of these ankle injuries, like Lawson Lucky had to have surgery on his. I don't know that this guy has. I mean, I haven't heard what did Kirby say about it. 
he say he had a stress fracture or what did he say? Uh, Something like that. Uh, it was just, it, 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 it gives us a lot of details. It hurts you for sure to have an experienced guy not be, so you not only got to put somebody in for him on one group, but three groups for sure. I mean, he's on the punt team, the punt cover, a punt return team, the kickoff return team, the kickoff coverage. So, Somebody might not be that versatile, and you got to put somebody in like three, maybe four guys to take one guy's position. So, but we, to me, the one thing that we do very good is have really competitive uh, situations to make that special team. So, there's guys looking at, hey, how can I be one of the 70 travel guys? I mean, we don't have to travel until Auburn, the fifth game, but. You know, he talks to him about it. Hey, that's going to be the difference. If you're on a special team compared to this guy, I'll take you. You know, so um, to me, that's got to be really tough for any of these guys because we got about 95 or 100 guys, <laughs> 25 or 30 that could be that 70th guy. I mean, there's not a lot of drop-offs there uh, between our first and fourth team. Or, I mean, certain guys maybe, but. We got a really, as I mentioned to you, Roddy, this spring, uh, when I, we, we've got a very talent-laden team as far as athleticism. And you you, you and Dane both have been over there for viewing sessions. you got to be wild by the way they look athletically, aren't you? Or, of course, you can find something wrong with them. Find something wrong with them. <laughs> Coach, over the last couple of years, like I've been wild by the guys that don't end up playing or the ones that transfer to someone else to play. When I saw um, was it, uh, M.K. Sherman out there, oh, this guy, is, he's a stat. He, it's an Adonis. Like he's just so built. And then now he's doing it for Nebraska. And, but like that's one of the guys that didn't play much at Georgia. So then you look at the ones that do. Hell, the the yeah, kickers I think, are ripped. I think one thing, and Roddy can jump in there, just think about guys like Robert Beal. Uh, several years ago, I'm thinking to myself, hey, this guy's he, he just going to have a hard time getting out there. I mean, look at all the guys in front of him. And he hung around and did what he had to. And, and you got that same kind of situation with Madden and some of these other guys to me that are really surfacing. I mean, a guy like – Terrell, I don't know if it's Terrell Foster or what, how do you pronounce his first name? Foster number 30 from ING Academy is a walk-on linebacker that really got everybody's attention with Munden being out. He's gotten the chance, and the guy got an interception the other day. I read uh, he's a player. I mean, he can play special teams, and nobody's even talking about him. We're talking about all these other linebackers, but Schumann develops all the guys. One thing that there, there's one thing that I feel like that overwhelms everything, every part of our practice. You teach and coach every player every day here. Every guy feels like he's getting the attention that if you do what I'm telling you, it's going to work and our system's going to work and you hang around and you're going to play. And that's not also, that's reality. And you base that looking at some of these guys that, you know, a mere speed. I never thought he would play. He ended up getting to play, and then was great on special teams, and got to go play for Miss. You know, same thing with uh, some other guys. So uh, it's it's good. 
Right, you're, you're right, Dan, because you look at – I just saw a note that uh, Dominic Waylock and Brett Seether will be uh, playing in the bins this uh, weekend for Georgia Tech. So you can look at the guys that transferred elsewhere that couldn't quite make the cut. But, yeah, when you walk out there, Coach, and you look at the uh, – I mean, we've kind of gone back and forth about the backup running back situation, and we've had some comments about who's going to run the ball, especially from Phil Rogers. But I've said for years while, while Dane was talking about how Cash Jones looked, I'm like, well, look at Savon Clark. You know, look at these kickers. Look at these punters. And we heard the punting was great on this uh, past week, although that hopefully Georgia doesn't need to punt the ball a whole lot. But when you look at them, one, two. About they punted 36 times last year. <laughs> That's still not very often. Uh, when you look at the uh, uh, one, two, uh, we'll go now that school's back in sessions. Uh, you've got your, hundred, what, 125 I think you can have out there. Uh, when you look at the 85 scholarship, the 20 preferred walk-ons, this just looks different. And Mike Bobo was asked about this. They're like, Does, do these guys look different than when you were here the first time? And he's like, well, they've done a really good job recruiting. Mike Bobo completely underselling how they look night and day different from where they were. And again, it's that coaching everybody up so that when you need a, when you have a guy go down and you can drop in Robert Beal or Chaz Chambliss, a guy that you went after really hard, but that Terrell Foster that nobody knows who the hell that kid is or Makai Muse. Makai Muse apparently caught everything in the scrimmage. And he's five foot nothing. He looks 47 years old, but he cannot be caught. And you've, you've, you're winning. Lad McConkie, who the hell thought Lad McConkie would be that guy? My point is the teams that lost to Georgia for national championships are complaining about uh, injuries that they had. They weren't ready to plug and play somebody else. And I think that Georgia's advantage is what you were talking about, Coach, when you look at the one to 105 and, and you got to narrow it down to 70. The 70 badasses that you put on that travel roster, when they go into someone else's stadium, even if they lose somebody, all 70 of those guys can perform. And that has just – I'm taking the coaching out of it. I know that's not fair, but you got better players. You're winning SEC, games. SEC games we've lost in the last five years on the road. Right, I missed the question. How, How many, many SEC, SEC games? games we lost on the road in the last five years? Ooh, huh? I don't know. Last time we lost on the road, true road game was LSU. Wow. Wow. I thought a flashback. That was um that was Rodrigo trying to fake field goal with uh and that was a Grant Delpit was out there for LSU. Wow. That's what somebody said to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I think you're right. I mean the last I mean Regular season loss. Is it still South Carolina 19? <laughs> they lost at Auburn that one year, um, the year before. But wow, that's uh, learning this on the air. One of the, Auburn, my favorite Auburn pieces of was 2017, 2018, we lost LSU on the road. But. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of the development side, and one of my favorite parts of this job is when you start hearing that a guy that's been on the roster for a while. Either light comes on, putting it together. They just seem like things are easier for them than they were. And coach, a guy that Dylan Fairchild is a name that I've probably heard more in the last month than I have the last two years. And I think that's really fun when a guy like that begins to apparently make some progressions to to play more. Yeah, I mean, we talked about his strength, the fact that he's you know was a high school wrestler. He's everybody talks among the players. He's one of the strongest guys out there. It's kind of like Chambliss, but. Uh, he, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife guy. Can move around, play different positions, and 
really is geared into wanting to play and understand has understood his role and has really become a better technician, technique guy. And uh, he'll certainly help us. That's for sure. I was waiting for Roddy to transition to an ad. I can, if you want to be a technician. <laughs> I would mention if you want to uh, have everyone talking about your new status and that the fact that you've kind of blown up and that, uh, uh, everybody wants to know how how you're doing what you're doing. You can cheat. You can absolutely cheat. You can start a new career. You can uh, become your own boss. You can transition your uh, current job into something a lot better. If you just want to get out of the rat race, reach out to our friends at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Reach out to Andy Ludecki. He will walk you through it. He he does. You don't have to pay him anything. You can just call him up. You can email him. You can send him smoke signals. Whatever you want to do, he will walk help you get to where you want to be. And it's the easiest thing in the world. It's an absolute no brainer. He's going to ask you, what are you looking to do? And he asks the important questions, the stuff that you don't think about. And he, he guides you into a huge list of possible franchises that you could start. You can do one while you keep your current job. You can drop what you're doing and go there. You can, uh, uh, how, how do you get financing? How much time does it take? All that, you know, what, what do I do from a tax situation? he can help guide you through all that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're successful and everyone's like, wow, I like the new car in the driveway. Are you moving houses? How, how do you afford that expensive house? Everybody be talking about you like you're talking about Dylan Fairchild moving up. So that's the, uh, that's the easiest way to do it is reach out to Andy Lidatecki at myperfectfranchise.net. Also, if you want to do something really cool, check out our friends over at uh, Academia Brewing Company. Let's say you're not ready. I'm not ready to go full on into buying a franchise. I just want to go to dinner. Well, check out our friends at uh, Academia Brewing Company. They have they've won the uh, People's Choice for having the best trivia night. They've uh, also won the People's Choice Award for having the best pregame and postgame spots in Athens. So if you're coming for that UT Martin game and you want some great beer, swing by Academia Brewing Company. They will take care of you. They have great new food out there. Uh, they've got car shows going on all the time. Uh, a new Death Ripper beer. That sounds fun. Uh they have a wild mushroom pasta with chicken and shrimp going on. It's all kinds of crazy food going on out there, crazy beers going on. So check out Academy Brew Company. You will not be sorry you did. And take some beer home with you when you leave after Saturday or Sunday. If you leave on Saturday after the game or if you spend the night in Athens and go home on Sunday. I want to give a couple non-football shout-outs to Georgia athletes or alumni Um part of a world record in track with uh, Matt Bowling. That was the uh, four by 400 meter. I think he ran Makes the third leg of that. Um, just awesome. That guy's incredible. Uh, three former Georgia golfers are playing in the tour championship at East Lake in Atlanta this week. The winner of the tour championship gets $18 million. Um, that's Brian Harmon, who a uh, friend of UGA sports.com. That is Sepp Straka, uh, a young alumnus, and then uh, Russell Henley, also in the Tour Championship. So we hope all of them play well over at Eastlake. If you're in the Atlanta area, go check that out. There's a question from UGASports.com that I'm sneaking earlier into our show. We tend to wait on these, but I really enjoyed this one. This is from Bush Dog. It says, in your opinion, which of the 12 opposing regular season quarterbacks that UGA faces will have the most success against Georgia? And I say this in part because as of the last uh, 30 minutes, our friend Kelly Quinlan over at the Georgia Tech Rivals site has, re has reported that Georgia Tech has named its starting quarterback. And it's Haynes King, the former Texas A&M quarterback. 
So, potential quarterbacks playing Georgia, Haynes King, Jackson Dart, Joe Milton, Graham Mertz, Brady Cook, if he keeps the job at, at Mizzou, uh, Devin Leary at Kentucky, Peyton Thorne, the Michigan State transfer is at Auburn, Spencer Rattler, South Carolina. So, Coach, is there a quarterback that Georgia faces that you think's better off than the rest? Well, you know, Brady Cook did a good job last year against us, so uh, he, he got the upper hand, uh, I would think, at this point. So, uh, but who knows? I mean, Milton scares me just because of the offense they're in, and, you know, we're playing at Tennessee. Uh, but who's the quarterback from Tennessee, Martin? He's the one that worries me the most. So. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I was going to – I there waiting – He's, he's going to say Tennessee Martin. Last year, I mean, th- their coach is really good. His dad, he's the dad of the uh, quarterback for Alabama. I mean, he knows how to coach, uh, and everybody's telling you how bad you're going to beat them and all that. And these kids are going to come down there and play out of their mind. So, uh, but th- it's definitely a good question. We're, we're going to see some good quarterbacks, and it, you got to have one to win. I mean, uh, I think Spencer Rattler has got to keep playing like he did at the end of the year, but I don't know how good his supporting cast is going to be. The situation for us against South Carolina is uh, probably we're going to get the best South Carolina they got because they they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, I think toward the end of the year they they could fall off, but, you know, I could be wrong too, but – you know, they lost a lot of players and then guys transferred. Uh, uh, they got a tough schedule. I mean, easily in the East, the toughest schedule because they haven't beaten Missouri in four years. They got to play at A&M, which they've never won. They haven't hardly even been competitive against us, like in the even in the first half the last three years. So uh, uh, Tennessee mauled them last year. Florida being – I mean, year after – year before last at Tennessee, Florida beat them last year. Uh, they got a tough game with Kentucky always. So, uh, plus they got a, a Clemson and North Carolina in non-conference game. So, yeah. yeah I was, was going to go with uh, Spencer Rattler, and I just looked it up while we were sitting. I just remember him throwing a lot of touchdowns, especially towards the end, but I also remember him having so many interceptions and this is not a great ratio. He threw 18 uh, touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So that's yeah, that's not good. And well, then Jack- I, said, I said this on uh, – I was on a little deal with uh, Jeff Dantzler, who I, all of us friend. you know, he's got a new radio show that I hope everybody will listen to once in a while. Not on Tuesday because that's when ours is. <laughs> Especially rather doing too many interviews for me, I mean – there comes a point where you, you don't talk about yourself near as much as he's talking. And uh, he's got that deal with Mercedes. He's sporting that big hundred some thousand dollar Mercedes car around, uh, you know, more power to him for getting it. But uh, I just I mean, saw what he did at Oklahoma when he was in the limelight. And uh, I just squelch it a little bit and just make sure that you're, Happy with the way he played at the end of the year, and uh, careful. I don't see Shane Beamer telling him to do fewer interviews because Shane Beamer is <laughs> out there a lot himself. Yeah, he he probably is because he's taking away from Shane doing it. 
<laughs> Wayne is media friendly, boy. I tell you, 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 you we should get him on the show. Hell yeah. yeah Bane, call him. He, he does it. He may be he's watching right now. He, he knows us. He's the only coach I ever heard at SEC Media Days that said he'd been watching all the other coaches. <laughs> I mean, hey, that, that's how you that's how you get good ideas. Uh, but I'm gonna say here. Can you imagine Kirby watching Nick Saban or watching you I, I can imagine watching Saban, not anybody else. Why would he not watch him? He's been around him for 12 years. Yeah, that's true. He knows exactly what he's gonna say. He doesn't just, like to do anything. Just in case you let something slip that Kirby can use. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I'll tell you the one that I'm a bit concerned. I Kentucky, with the receiver talent that I saw there, and I know Leary is a good player, and I'm not just hyping up the former NC State quarterback because I'm on a show with one. If Kentucky's offensive line is improved, now it has to be vastly improved, I can see Kentucky's offense being pretty good this year. Yeah, I mean, they need to be. They they were terrible last year and uh, just had they got good receivers. I mean, really good receivers. And I, I'm high on that kid from NC State that's there. I think he'll be actually more productive than uh, the guy they had. So, uh, Levis, it'll be interesting how if their defense keeps playing good, but uh, they, they've got it. We'll, we'll get to see Kentucky early because they played Ball State the first game, and so we got Ball State. So I'll be looking at scouting Kentucky in that game. There you go. Um, I was I was going to say Spencer Rattler of the quarterbacks Georgia will see by giving them the toughest time, just because again you mentioned that game in early, and when South Carolina gets Georgia earlier in the year and they they're healthy, you know, they're starting forty four versus you're starting forty four it's more competitive than later in the year when they've suffered some losses and you're just much deeper. Uh, but then I'm you know, kind of looking back to last year that uh, Rattler led the SEC in a number of interceptions with 12. Jackson Dart was the other guy I was thinking of. He was right there with 11. So it's, not, you know, that was number one and number two in the uh, interception categories. I really can't think of who else concerns me, but I'm a, Joe Milton. I mean, seriously, Joe. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I, I, but I'm, to me, that's more system. Is that fair? I'm more worried about the system than I am him personally. Just kind of taking the game over and just whipping you. I, 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 I would worry about seeing LSU, seeing that uh, Jane Daniels kid again. That Joe time. Milton easily has the strongest arm outside of GI Joe in the country. There you go. He, he's got a. Unbelievable arm. So, uh, and the system is, but the thing that always keeps me a little bit from going overboard on Joe is he won the job and then he lost it. So they needed to make a change with him. There was something about him that wasn't working. So hopefully it won't work this year. And I, Roddy, the more that I've covered this, and maybe I'm just thinking of last year with. Yeah, interceptions is the sin at quarterback. You can't turn the ball over. But Brian Kelly was telling telling Jaden Daniels, you you have zero interceptions, and that's not a good thing because you're not taking enough calculated right. chances here. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, you know, Brett Favre, close to all-time leader in interceptions in the pros. What are you going to do, fire him? <laughs> I mean, look at the plays he made when he took chances. I mean, uh, you – I, I never worry about interceptions that much unless it's just dumbass ones. But you got to, if you just hold the ball and, and don't throw in the tight windows, you're not going to be a winning quarterback because you, you got to do that. The defense is just too good. 
That's a good point. Uh, before we get any further there, I want to mention our friends over at Athens Ford and mention some of their uh, specials here. And this is basically, you can take a chance and know that it's going to turn out for you very well. You can just go out to Athens Ford, check out the 2023 F-150s, check out the 2023 Ford Mustangs. You will be thrilled to death. You can't make a mistake with those. And they have some great financing deals, some great uh, uh, sales going on. The F-150, you can get up to $6,000 off and 3.9% financing for 60 months. Uh, you can get the uh, Mustang Mach-E GT all-wheel drive for $4.99 a month, 48 months, uh, $3,000 to it signing. Uh, the Ford Explorer, you can get up to $4,000 off and 2.9% APR financing for 60 months. 2.9% is pretty bloody good. So uh, check out the Expedition Platinum, their Ford Escape, all the fantastic Ford vehicles they have out there. And again, if you you're like, well, don't really want to get a new one. Let me go get a pre-owned vehicle. Again, you're not really taking a chance. It's going to be it's going to be as easy and secure as possible because just about any car you buy out there will have a lifetime powertrain warranty. So even if you're buying a pre-owned vehicle, it's going to go through their huge inspection process and you can drive off the lot knowing you have a lifetime powertrain warranty on it. So basically as long as something like 80,000 miles and isn't Beamer or something like that, some uh, car that's hard to fix. So check out our friends at Athens Ford. You'll be very, very glad you did. And it is Tuesday. We talk about this every Tuesday when we do the show. We mention our friends over at YourPi. Check out the YourPi app. It's Double Points Tuesday. If you order the uh, great white pizza, the buffalo chicken, the, the Nats chicken pesto, the hot honey pepperoni, any of those, or you do a salad, or you do a pasta, or you do gelato, or you do drinks, or chips, whatever, You'll get double points, and those points are very quickly redeemable for breadsticks, for pizzas, for gelato. They hit me up. Uh, I got an email from them the other day saying, happy half birthday. So it was, I guess August uh, 16th is my half birthday, and I get free ice cream for that. And I'm like, yeah, free gelato for that? No, sure. So uh, getting the app is a good idea. Plus, they also have some deals going on. They know that back to school is a busy time for families. And right now, if you go through, if you pop up the app, there are all sorts of deals for back to school. So hit up our friends at Europi. And again, we talked about franchises earlier. If you want a great business, uh, call them about uh, opening your own Europi franchise. I saw one in Delonica when I took my son back to school on Sunday. I'm like, man, these mountain folks have some good pizza. So uh, try them when you get a chance. Oh, Dane, we lost you there. Question here from Brad Newsom, who's watching on YouTube. Who's the fourth tight end behind Sperlin and Lucky? Which I found to be pretty intriguing because if Lucky's out for a bit of time, you're looking at three scholarship tight ends. So uh, who could be some other guys on the roster that play there? Does it change the offense? Do you look at a walk-on? How do you manage that, Coach? Hey, that's a good question. I don't know who you – I mean, we, we got Sheehan, who's a nice player as dad's a coach. Uh, I think it, uh, he's a tight end that's been around, but I don't. I don't really know. You know, Gody went to Mississippi State. Seether's playing for uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, Lucky's hurt, so we got Delp and uh, and Sperlin. I don't know who who would be the next guy. I was looking, trying to figure out how to pronounce this kid's last name. He he just stuck out to me because I took some pictures of him and he was going uh, pretty hard in the reps. David Lalalian, L A. L-A-I-A-N. So, I, uh, David, I apologize, or to David's family. I don't know how to say it, but uh, 
Yeah, Sheehan and Lillian would maybe the what guys. What numbers? Lillian. Yeah. 81. 81. He's from Monroe, so just down the road, played at Monroe area. Hey, Monroe, that is that's tough sledding there. That's that's a that's a kid's going to have some grit in his uh, teeth. So uh, if he if he can make it to Georgia, same with uh, Drew, then yeah, I like it. Oh, but see, this is the calculus that I think is really fun to see what Mike Bobo does with this because you say, all right, Georgia has a lot more depth at receiver, a lot of explosive players. How do you find ways to adjust the offense of the strengths that you have? Because it's not going to be this maybe the total strength of what tight end was last year when you had Bowers and Darnell Washington and Delp and then even Godey and Seether behind that. So I, I'd be curious to see what the formations look like, Coach. I think it's going to be different. Yeah, I mean, you always look at who get your best 11 out there. So we seem to have more receivers than we do tight ends. Uh, so, but you don't have to – I mean, we substitute more than anybody. So you don't necessarily have to play four or five deep. You could – you know, it's okay for a guy to run eight or ten plays in a row. I mean, I'm being facetious, but <laughs> we're running out of there, that's for sure. Last year, you're talking about the rotation of the running backs. Folks, if you don't do the watch-along show, you have to do that. It's basically the three of us. We have a camera on us while the game's going on. So you can watch UT Martin on your television and then on your laptop or your iPad or your uh, cell phone. That's go to this YouTube channel or our Facebook channel, and you can watch us in real time uh, make comments on the game. Now, you know, you're not there to tune in to me uh, talking about yingling beer. You're not there to uh, hear Dane's bad jokes. You're there to listen to Coach Don and call the plays before they happen and complain when they, a running back breaks off a good run and then they yank his ass out. And Coach's like, why are you taking him out? I, just, um, no, that's, I don't do that a lot. But, I know you don't. I'm just I'm um, teasing. But you, you, or you'll be like – I did get a. We've only thrown the ball to nineteen four times. A shout What's out, your first time, coach. Friend of mine that uh, actually does the uh, is does radio for uh, one of those networks that's doing the tournament over there. You might see him over at East Lake. Doug Bell. I did a little deal with him. He and I used to do some TV together, and he said that uh, all of our. Uh, he said, you know, we got ten guys on the. PGA Tour. He said every one of those guys are tuned in to Georgia football. So they read about it and listen to it. He said he said more than anybody, he said, you know, Justin Thomas does a lot for Alabama. He said, but of course those guys are pretty happy right now because we're winning. But he said, those guys can't get enough of Georgia football. So I thought it was great that they hear that about the, our golfers. Yeah. I agree. Let's get to some more questions from UGASports.com. Uh, this is from Bulldog Ben. Higher chance of having a thousand-yard receiver or running back this season. Also, who do you think leads the team in rushing? Which, I, look, I, I we get this question a lot about a thousand-yard rusher, thousand-yard receiver. I don't really care, and I, I definitely don't think coaches care about who gets a thousand yards. Yeah, I mean, we're probably not going to see it as much as we sub uh, unless Bowers has a couple. 150, 200 yard first halves or something. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a very good question, and I respect it. But uh, we've been able to win without that, so we we spread it around pretty good. So uh, I, I don't see it happening myself. I'm with. Uh, I think again, I don't want to say you should care about it. You know, 
like you said, the coaches don't care. That's true. But it does come up on the recruiting trail. And I'm not to say that that makes a kid decide one way or the other, but it's just like when Georgia was having a hard time recruiting defensive linemen. It's like it's been so long since they've had one drafted. And that comes up. So when you look at the wide receivers, you're like, man, they haven't had a wide receiver run. They're, they're RBU. They build themselves as RBU. You know, and so if you're a five-star wide receiver, you're like, man, I'm, that's just the school that runs the ball. Why should I go there? They haven't had a thousand-yard receiver in a long time. And I want to put up something that Anthony Dasher wrote this morning. He wrote uh, 10 predictions that, uh, you know, could go wrong. And one of his was at Brock Bowers. Uh, 10 predictions uh, sure to go wrong for Georgia. Uh, one of those was Brock Bowers would get into the thousand-yard receiving club. And I thought, mm, I don't know about that. But he pointed out, you know, he had 942 yards last year. And if you're playing 15 games, and as Coach says, if you're some of these blowouts, they're going to pull him. I don't think Brock Bowers got a ton of snaps in the, either of the scrimmages. You don't need to put him out there. So, but if they actually go all 15 games, then maybe you could have that. And I just don't see a running back in this. Hell, all the running backs are uh, injured. So I just don't see a thousand yard rusher back there, the way they're going to split up the carries. But I can see Brock Bowers, you throw him a five yard pass, he runs 70 yards. Now he's almost at a hundred yard game right off the bat. You're not going to have a thousand yard yard receiving. Yards receiving no, if he ran 175. Yeah, yeah, but they give him, they give him all the yards. Ronnie's not going to have a thousand yard running back. Predictions on Brock Bowers and eight of them be right. <laughs> predict anything you want to about him, uh, and it'll be right. Wins the Heisman. There you go. Got a chance. Billy Zane with this question: uh, Nazir and Brinson are really good players at nose and defensive tackle spots, but more in a traditional sense of clogging gaps and chewing up blockers. Not necessarily in the same mold as Carter Wyatt Davis in terms of blowing up plays in the backfield. Billy Zane's question, do you agree with that assessment? And if so, do you see more run blitz packages as a result? I feel like both those guys are, have really surfaced to a point where they they really can make a difference up front. And we don't get into, into making comparisons uh, about players as far as our coaches publicly, but uh, you look at the strengths of our defense and you, you, you see the edge guys like Michael and Marvin Jones and Chambliss and also uh, you can see more uh, structure where you loop the end and tackle instead of just the tackle taking on a guy or the nose tackle stuff in the center and letting the linebackers run through. I think we'll see more outside pressure than we've ever had. And I, I'll, I'll, even say we'll probably see some uh, because you're ahead. We probably see some stuff like we did uh, landings year when you bring the corners and the star some. So I think we'll see a lot of field pressure. Question from uh, coaches is one of your favorites, Big Fatty ninety four. Uh, who are some players on your radar that may not be on fans' radars right now? From Georgia, yeah. You know, I don't know what the fans' radar is, so uh, it, it's a good question. But some young guys that I feel like can really make a contribution, Jordan Hall on defense, uh, Harris, uh, you, you know, the corner. Uh, I mean, I got my roster here today, and I was going to – Give you a one-word sentence on a lot of these guys here. How much time we got? 
Oh, we got time to do what you want to. I, I'll give you a name that I've just heard good things uh, about in the last couple of weeks. That's Jared Wilson. I think he's ready to go. Jared Wilson, of course. I mean, good player. Troy Bowles, good player. Roderick Robinson has come along. Nyland Green is really stressing and have a chance to be number one corner. Roseby St. Jacks, you can't say much more about him. He's a player, special teams. Kendall Milton got to get healthy. Munden got to get healthy. Laster got to get healthy. All three of these guys are really good, among the best players in the country if they're healthy. Like the guy that couldn't say he's ours. A1, you better say your best uh, if those three guys are playing. Uh, Andrew Paul, I'm really happy with his development. He's come back. Delpa's got even more chance now with uh, Lucky out to play even more. He was going to play anyhow. Uh, that takes care of uh, one through four. So maybe next week we'll do some more. But I could go rah-rah Thomas. I'm, I'm a rah-rah fan. Raylan Wilson. It's been hurt. Everett really looks like that guy at the other corner. Maybe Julio Humphreys might be that guy. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who this guy is here. Uh, okay, next on here is Dominic Lovett. We can't say enough about him. Marvin Jones, Jr., number seven in your program, number one in your heart. Lawson Lucky's hurt, but he's going to be a good player. Jonel Aguero, I mean, this guy is stronger than Aunt Mary's breath. That has a little problem with his hamstring, Kirby said. Meeks is out for a little bit. Uh, Rhett has had a good good fall. He's, he's starting to come on as a as a safety. And then uh, Jackson Johnson, uh, Dumas Johnson, preseason All-American. So that takes you one through ten. Why yeah. do we even do the rest of the show, Robbie? Why didn't we just start with know. that? Should just yeah, just open with it. Well, he didn't tell us he was going to do that. We just open it, coach. Go explain. Run them. Run one through ten. We'll have it good. So that's <laughs> okay. That tells you about him, doesn't it? I mean, I wanted that sooner. Is the way that, like as a producer, I feel like I have failed our audience. I just <laughs> coach football. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that. So what coach is just doing? He's running uh, zero zero one one two two eight. Those single-digit numbers are always uh, going to be some really, you know, I don't want to say reserved for star players, but you got to represent if you're going to be a three or five or a seven. That's uh, and guys will say, hey, I'll you know I'll sign with you, but I want a guaranteed single number. And we see that in recruiting all the time. And it's like I imagine Kirby's like, look, if you if you're coming and be number three, you damn sure better earn it. And going, I mean, going one, zero through ten there. Yeah. That's pretty – that's a murderer's row of talent. Tyler Williams has come on. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't do that much in the spring, but doing better. Arian Smith, I think, is going to have a huge year. Uh, just uh, – The other 11 is pretty Walker, good, too. Alan Walker, we can't say enough about him. I mean, he did a good job with the interview the other day. Julio Humphrey, I say he's going to maybe be the starter. It's a, between him and Everett. Uh, Vandergrove's had a good – Good camp, and he's, he's a heck of a player. Could play for a lot of teams. Uh, Zed Haynes, I mean, come on. That guy's got really good ability. Just got to get on the field. Uh, Michael Williams is probably among the best players in the country. He's come, coming off an injury. Uh, really impressive uh, player. Uh, David Daniel, uh, really, really solid back there. Backup safety. Uh Gunner Stockton, everybody's talking about Stockton, but I really is, is 
shown a lot of improvement. Carson Beck, give him a lot of credit for hanging in there and winning the job. I look for a big year out of him. Uh, Harris is another receiver that you haven't heard about. Uh, excuse me, Harris, a good DB, too, that, that we haven't talked about near as much as we had uh, number four, uh, the other what, – what's number four? Uh, the other Harris kid, the corner. AJ so that's, Harris. That's enough for me. I'm losing my mind here. I can't <laughs> – Well, there's a lot of Harrises, but A.J. Harris is uh, – that is a brilliant young freshman that's going to turn some heads, so. A uh, few questions that we have left from Cajun Dog. I've seen comments about Carson Beck making some plays with his legs, buying some time. Can you describe his mobility a bit more? You know, he's good enough to, to get out of trouble. That's not one of his strong suits, but uh, he, he knows how to avoid the rush. He knows where the pressure's coming. Part of a quarterback's M.O. is to, to avoid – by moving in the pocket, which he can do good enough. He's not – I would say he's more agile than JT for sure, uh, but that's not his strong suit. But he knows where the pressure's coming, and he's got a good delivery, good release. So uh, he's got he's capable of avoiding the rush, that's for sure. He's just not a real threat to run the ball. From Moultrie Dog, Coach, what are your thoughts on Deion Sanders and his approach at Colorado? Will he win there with time? I think they're going to have to give him time because I just I just don't see any way with that schedule they got this year that they're going to win big. I mean, completely revamp squad, that's for sure. He's got some really good players, that Hunter kid, some of those guys. But if they win more than three games this year, I'll be really surprised. Uh, Roddy, we have some uh, sponsors that we need to mention before because I've let the show get to five minutes and we still have three questions left. Well, there's there's only one uh, sponsor left we need to mention real quick, and I do want to bring up our friends at Dead Soxy. Now is the time to go ahead and get your order in for your red and black socks. The ones on the screen there uh, have the little Georgia stripe logo, or you have the Georgia with the star where the Athens is in it. Uh, stripes, solid colors, all sorts of uh, very nice, very comfortable socks from our friends at DeadSoxy.com. You go there and you want to get like the four pack. You see, it's uh, sixty-six bucks. Uh, they will be your favorite socks, and you can get them for twenty-five percent off if you use promo code UGA Sports. So use promo code UGA Sports. Get your twenty-five percent off. Get your lucky socks. They've been a uh, sponsor for two years. Georgia's won two titles, and uh, coincidence maybe, but uh, don't break a streak. So if you've been getting socks from them the past two years and you've worn them to the championship games. Uh, get 11 days. They ship pretty fast. And of course, when they come, they look fantastic. So if you have somebody that you're trying to get a gift for, you can actually buy them socks and look cool because the packaging is so first class that uh, you don't have to worry about wrapping it. You can present it to them. And it looks like you've gotten them something of quality because you have. Question from Moultrie Dog. Coach, what are your uh, thoughts on Todd Hartley and his future? Is he an offensive coordinator uh, or is he a head coach somewhere? And that's from Blocker 57, actually. Yeah, I really think Todd's got tremendous uh, people skills. He's got uh, really good uh, background in coaching. You know, he's been other places and done well. Uh, he, he left Georgia and went to Marshall. And uh, my friends up there raved about the job he did there. And then he came back here and then he went and did a good job for Coach Rick at Miami. Uh, he, he's very good with the players and he does a lot of coaching besides just tight ends. 
he's really all in on the punt team. He knows that inside and out. And uh, he's got a great future. He could be an offensive coordinator. Every one of our guys could. McClendon's already been one. Uh, Del McGee has. Uh, Stacy Searles is an outstanding line coach. Uh, you know, all these guys are capable and, and could be head coaches too. From, I agree. I, uh, I, from, I could definitely see him being an offensive coordinator or a head coach. It's just uh, uh, that guy, he has that it factor and, and the way he loves to recruit, he definitely has a strong future. From PC Pup, after every touchdown, Brock Bowers goes immediately to the sideline phone. Is he ordering wings? If he's talking to coaches, what's there to discuss at that time? Yeah, the guys that go to the sideline to talk on the phone or, or, or talking to their position coach in the press box. Uh, otherwise, you go over and see your uh, position coach. Most linemen will be over there with Coach Searles or Coach Hartley's in the press box. And part of that is to assist Coach Bobo or, he, or in the past, Coach Munkin, with uh, telling them about the defense as he's getting ready to call the play. But also uh, monitoring the special teams. He's got a direct line in to Coach Smart on all the special teams too. So, uh, but they have a separate phone that's that's not with the headsets. That's just a telephone that you we call a player phone that the assistant coaches call and talk to the players because you don't want it on the headset where everybody else is talking and all. So he, he's basically tells him. I'll, I'll basically tell you. What, what goes on between Brock and uh, Hartley. Good job, Brock. Good, Brock. Good job, Brock. Good job, Brock. Good job, Brock. Good job, Brock. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to tell the guy? Thank you for scoring again. Uh, I just said, you know, that was really ridiculous. You got tackled on a two-yard line. You had one more, two, one more step and you got another touchdown. No, I mean, uh, essentially <laughs> what they tell them, I don't want to – is – uh, hey, good job, but look, when when we're running this, they're trying to banjo you. That means double cover, one guy inside out. Or when we're doing this, they're playing outside leverage, so you might stem the guy up a little bit more or step on his toes, what we call, get close enough to him, step on his toes, and then he can't take away the outside or inside. You, you know, square him up, stem him up. Or, hey, they're playing uh, – a four-eye tackle, and that four-eye tackle, he thinks going inside, but he's slanting outside on the double team. So you're going to have to stay a little bit longer on him before you go to the next level to block the linebacker on the outside zone or whatever it might be. Those are some tips there. And final question today from Sauce All On Me. Says, I know Coach is a huge New Mexico State fan and admits that that's sarcasm. Coach, are you pulling for them in prime time in ESPN against UMass? Is that who's playing in the pillow fight of the week? That's the uh, question. I, I can go look up the line if you'd like for me to. I can just tell you the story about New Mexico. We won't even have a joke. This is the uh, New Mexico State. I'm doing a game for ESPN 2. And New Mexico State does not have a uh, press box elevator. And I didn't know that they had a guy down there that would take in a golf cart and drive you up this ramp to the place. I just knew that uh, I needed to get my ass up there because we're getting ready to do the show, preliminary show, and it's going to be about <laughs> minutes from there. 
So I started hoofing it up there, and you can't imagine the uh, the atmosphere there. I don't know what how many above sea, but I mean, I'm about halfway up the up the ramp, and I'm taking the gas, man. I mean, I, I'm taking. I'm in pretty good shape. This is like 15 years ago, and uh, I'm thinking, good God, I'm having a heart attack on national television. <laughs> And the problem on top of that, I've eaten some heavy Mexican food about two hours before that. And, uh, man, I had bad indigestion on top of everything. And so I didn't know if there's a heart attack or indigestion, but I'm I'm just thinking I got I can't run anymore if I'm late. I, so I walked on up there, and the guy said, didn't you take the cart? <laughs> I said, what cart? So New Mexico State, I hope they got a press box elevator now, but if they don't, it was a terrible experience for the old coach getting to that press box. Terrible. <laughs> hey, get your shit together, New Mexico State. We want people dying on their way to uh, do TV. Exactly. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We will be back next Tuesday, game week. Game, game week. week next week. That's right. Get your game face on. Yep. Uh, be sure to uh, hit the subscribe button like we mentioned in our opening. And uh, – also, start making your plans a week from this Saturday to watch Georgia along with Coach Dane and myself on the only watch-along show out there. Or I'm is sure it's about six o'clock. That game is six. Yep. Six o'clock. Might take a nap. I've been going to bed early. I don't know if I can make it tonight. Oh, I don't believe that for a second. All right, folks, uh, again, be sure to join us on this channel. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can do the same thing. When we have the of course, next Tuesday, jump in with us at noon. But also, uh, a week from Saturday, 6 o'clock, join us for the Watch Long Show. We'll see you then.